This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Income taxes may be getting flatter in many states, but politicians are clever, and it's not all that hard for them to simply redefine a tax as a fee. John Caldera has a cautionary tale from Colorado where their taxpayer bill of rights has been slowly but surely made less effective in the 30 years since its adoption. A lot of states have adopted tax reforms that are like a ratchet. That is, uh, if state revenue exceeds some threshold, the state income tax rate is automatically cut. Uh, Kentucky adopted this this year. I believe North Carolina, North Carolina has, has it thing, as yeah. well. Um, how does that change incentives? How does that change how politicians try to goose revenue? So in 1992, Colorado passed the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, called TABOR. And it had that mechanism in it. It didn't cut tax rates, but when when income for the state grew by more than population plus inflation from last year, there would have to be a refund, which was either you refund the money back to the people or you ask the people if they want, if, they, if we can keep it. And they, they originally it was for four years. So they called it a Tabor override. The term was debrucing because Doug Bruce did did the taxpayer bill of rights what we found was there's all sorts of ways around it and what we hope to do is build something that builds a constitutional ratchet as you said so we've been able to over time lower the tax rate but amazingly colorado's tax receipts continue to grow at an exponential rate even though our tax rate keeps going down okay so how does that happen the beautiful thing about the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is that every candidate likes the idea running, but once they get into office, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, you despise the Taxpayer Bill of Rights because it forces you to do one of two things. Either your job, which is to set priorities, which is we're going to put this money into healthcare instead of midnight basketball, and you have to set priorities, or and if you do that, of course, you're going to anger some constituency group when you have to limit what you spend, or you have to ask the people to keep the change. And they don't want to ask the people to keep this change because then you have to say, well, we're doing such a good job now, which is why the state has only once been able to ask people to, to keep the excess revenue. So what we've done, what those people who love growing government did is they attacked it in several different ways with court rulings after court rulings. First, when it said you could override it for four years, our very progressive Supreme Court ruled four years will be interpreted as forever because I guess it sounds the same. And so they said, if you ask the people to override the taxpayer bill of rights once, it's good perpetually. So now 90% of all local governments have a permanent Tabor override. They get to keep whatever flows in. They never need to give a refund. It hasn't happened with the state yet. That's the big one that they want. The other thing they found out is a ruling that said, if you call a tax increase a fee, then you don't have to ask the people. 
So amazingly, since that ruling, we have a hospital provider fee. We have a road fee. We have a mill levy fee. We have now transportation fees. Every time you get a package, it's 27 cents, and that's attached to inflation. So the growth of the budget continues. Now, this is a little wonky, but it's, but it's your podcast, so you'll, you'll appreciate it. The real danger to representative government is this, that every time they do a fee, it has to go into a different bucket, and that bucket is called an enterprise. So, all right, we're going to take this hunk of government out of the regular budget, put it over here and call it an enterprise. When the Taxpayer Bill of Rights was passed in 1992, that second bucket of enterprises, universities, some other things that were very fee-based, that was about a third the size of the general fund, what we hire people, name representatives and senators, to, to look after. Fast forward to today, it has completely flipped. So out of everything the state, the state spends, two-thirds of it is run by appointees. Only a third of our government is run by people we elect. We have true taxation without representation, and this is only going to grow and grow and grow and grow, which means why are we electing people when they can only control a tiny fraction of the budget. That becomes an absolute danger to democracy. Okay, so what is the, what's the fix? I mean, to me, it's, it's you redefine taxes to revenues. I'll give you an idea how, how bad it is. We uh, passed a proposition a couple of years ago, and it said any fee increase over, I forget the amount, $100 million, um, you need to go to the people. So the legislature passed five different fees that were just under a hundred million dollars. And so, so they had, and there's no, so you absolutely have to redefine fees or you need to make sure that there's accountability to the people you put into office, that if they do that, they get out of office. Uh, the other part of what we want to do is, is flatten the taxes that we pay. Colorado was one of the first states to take a progressive income tax rate Independence Institute was involved with that well before I got there. And we had a top rate of 8%. And our economists at the time said, you know, if we had a flat tax rate, to make it revenue neutral, it should be 4.5%. That will give the government the same amount of money. So the Democratic governor at the time, of course, signed a bill to have a flat tax rate at 5% to give themselves a sizable raise right there. Since then, we've been able to nibble it down. As you talked about before, if you have to give the money back, can we ratchet that down? Under Governor Bill Owens in the early 2000s, we were able to do that, and we brought it down to 4.63%. Um, we put an initiative on just a couple of years ago, brought it to 5.5, uh, excuse me, 4.55. This year, we've got something on the ballot to bring it towards 4.4%, but this is just a path to get it to zero. The goal should be to be the next state with no income tax. A lot of people are leaving California, um, many of whom are <laughs> home people who've owned homes there for 30, 40 years decide, well, we're rich now. So we're going to sell our home here and we're going to move to a low cost of living state. We're cashing in huge windfall. Thank you very much, California zoning. Uh, and Colorado used to be one of the states that people would just flood into from California. It's interesting. You look at the demographic information. 
the number one import state from into Colorado was, of course, California, just what you said. And they brought their culture as well. Next state was New York. The next state was Illinois. So these huge failed bureaucracy, high tax states, people are fleeing from to try to get to someplace that there has more certainty. While that's changed the makeup of Colorado, Colorado is now a very blue state, and the outflux goes to first Wyoming, then Texas, then Florida. So they're going towards states that have no income tax. They want and states should be competing to get the most productive people, the most successful people in their states. That's why Elon Musk is moving to Texas. That's why people in Colorado, now that it's getting overregulated and the tax rates because of fees are going up, are going to Texas. The skiing in Texas is not as good as in Colorado. <laughs> So Colorado has had Tabor for a long time, and there have been pretty significant and largely successful attempts to nibble away at the uh, clear intent of uh, that piece of legislation. Uh, other states have adopted the ratchet to sort of uh, crack down on this scourge, and I, it is a real scourge, of government revenue. Uh, so what is, Col what is Colorado's next step then to... Uh, mimic these other states. It's our hope to do exactly the same thing. Tabor did have this ratchet mechanism in it, which is now gone. And so we've got to find a ratchet mechanism in the other direction. And that's why we want to pass a law that says when there's a surplus, you the method of refund is a tax cut. Fortunately, in the state constitution, because of our taxpayer bill of rights, whatever, we have a flat tax rate and we have uh, a constitutional tax rate. So the, the legislature cannot raise the tax rate without a vote of the people. They can raise the fees. So we have to find a way to define fees. The lesson for other states is pretty clear. When you are looking at these tax expenditure limitations, you have to find a way to protect yourself from the ways they're going to get around it. You should learn from the 25 years plus of Colorado's Taxpayer Bill of Rights and see all the different methods they have used to run circles around them. You know, under the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, you can grow government as large as you want. You just have to ask permission. You can go into debt as much as you want. You just have to ask permission. But the courts have said, you can call debt by a different name. It's called certificates of participation. And if you do those, you don't have to ask. So debt explodes just through a different financial mechanism. Fees, you don't have to ask for. The four-year timeout will now be forever. And once you do that, you lose it. So the mistake we made with our victory back in, two th uh, back in 1992 was that, like fiscal conservatives, we celebrated, and then we went back to our jobs and our lives and built you know, homes and businesses and the rest, while the left was immediately chipping away bit by bit with a long-term effect. Basically, when we win something, you then need to protect it. And I don't think our team does that well. John Caldera is president of Colorado's Independence Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.